Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. October is a month of transitions where our gardens yield their final harvests and trees yield their green leaves for a multicolored array. It is also this month, October, that is LGBT History Month. For many of us in our congregation are well aware of it and maybe even marked that day when it was created in 1994 by Rodney Wilson, a high school history teacher in none other than the state of Missouri. But for others of us who are allies, it may be helpful to know that in 1995, a resolution passed the General Assembly of the National Education Association that included LGBT History Month within its list of commemorative months. October was selected to coincide with National Coming Out Day, which was October 11th, which had already been established, and the anniversary of the first March on Washington for gay and lesbian rights in 1979 and in remembrance of Matthew Shepard. 25 years ago this month, a young gay Episcopal man who struggled with depression related to a prior assault accepted a ride home with two other men in Laramie, Wyoming, 150 miles away from his childhood home. That ride had devastating consequences. Exactly what happened earlier that evening and in the truck ride, we will never know, but we do know the outcome. Matthew was brutally beaten, tied to a fence, and left to die in the October cold on the prairie. About 18 hours later, he was found by a cyclist, rushed to the hospital in a coma, and sent to another level of care. Despite this increasing level of care, he died six days later from the pistol whipping and exposure to the elements. Out of this needless tragedy, coupled with the death of James Byrd in October 2009, the United States Congress passed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Hate Crime Prevention Act. President Barack Obama signed that legislation into law. Barbaric acts occur when we fail to see the humanity of the people around us and the image of God that they bear. We see it demonstrated locally in gun violence. We see it in intimate partner violence. We see it on the world stage as innocent civilians are mowed down by parties, at parties or in acts of aggression and in war. But it doesn't have to be this way. Consider some of the coins we use and whose image they bear. Abraham Lincoln on the scent. Thomas Jefferson on the nickel. Franklin Roosevelt on the dime. George Washington on the quarter. But at the time of the writing of the scriptures, there was a specific coin with a specific image, a coin worthy of discussion. It was the denarius, 
a Roman coin used to pay taxes. On this coin was inscribed an image of the Emperor Tiberius. Now I saw what it says in another language, but I'm going to just tell it to you in English because I don't speak that other language. And it translates to Tiberius Caesar, the son of the divine Augustus. Tiberius, son of God. It is ironic that the Pharisees' disciples and the Herodians were together. They hated each other, but it's amazing how people will come together if there's a cause they hate even more than each other. It is also ironic for them to produce a coin with a graven image, especially if you consider the Ten Commandments, one of which says, thou shalt have no graven images. This coin was particularly offensive to the Jewish population, and they were crippled by the taxes that they were paying. If Jesus had said it was not lawful to pay taxes and use this coin, he would have been cheered by those who were suffering under the Roman rule, yet could have been charged with treason and sedition. If Jesus said it was lawful to pay the taxes, then he would have been considered a collaborator with the Romans. There was no right answer, it appeared. But Jesus knew their hearts. And often when we're, someone seeks to entrap us, it's not about the issue at hand. It's about a bigger issue. And sometimes it's the bigger issue that we need to see. And there are times when I wish they had never asked the question. Because when Jesus steps outside their narrow question, Jesus took a legal question and made it a theological one. And sometimes that's exactly where we need to go to answer the questions that are in the world around us. Is it lawful? Yes. But is it holy? Is it right? Is it true? What's the bigger issue? Here, the bigger issue is how we see ourselves in relationship with God, how we see each other, and how we see ourselves. In the beginning, from the very beginning, in the Genesis account, we are made in the image of God. And like these early biblical people, sometimes we forget. Think a moment. If I were to ask you to name three descriptors of yourself, what would you say? Would you name gender, height, hair color, race, family structure, education, socioeconomic status? These characteristics help us find people who are like us, that we can easily relate to, and that helps. But it also can harm us, and it leads us to othering behaviors that separate us from each other. And we miss the real picture. Where is the image of God? Who am I as the image of God? What is it about God that I uniquely represent? If only we could live with this awareness, what a gift we would be to the world. Last week, rooted in abundance, we named some of the gifts within our congregation, and it was massive. It lives on the wall in the social hall now. Imagine the connections that can happen between those who knit, those who read books that are banned, those who serve as greeters, and those who take care of the grounds. What if this week we started looking in the mirror each day and not noticed our hair or the lack thereof, 
but the gifts that God had implanted in us and vowed to share it with the world. One new gift each day. What if we opened our eyes just a little bit wider to the new descriptors that we could bless each other with? If we could see each other in that way, how could we ever harm God's image? How could we ever say a word that would not build one another up? How could we ever choose not to walk with each other? There's a little bit of God's image in me, and there's a little bit of God's image in each one of you. Oh, what if instead of the image that society has ingrained upon us, we chose to identify ourselves as part of the image of God implanted in us from the beginning? What if we nurtured that in each other? What a wonderful world it could be. Hatred, impossible. Racism, gone. Homophobia, some ancient word. Police brutality, a history lesson. Black-on-black crime, a past experience. Intimate partner violence, unthinkable. In its place would be a world filled with compassion, forgiveness, understanding, hope, caring for the environment, safety, honesty. These are the marks of the image that God has placed within us. So let's receive those images with gladness, and then let's just lavishly cast it out everywhere we go. Amen.